Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week, we continue our 10-week journey called The Red Sea Rules, based on the book by Robert J. Morgan, where we will be looking at 10 different rules that we can apply to our lives. In this book, we find that even in the midst of seemingly impossible situations, God can make a way that will move us from fear to faith. In week seven, communications pastor Ben Jones unpacks the next big rule, envision God's enveloping presence. Go ahead and you can have a seat. It's great to be here with all of you this morning. My name is Ben and I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point. Our lead pastor, Eric, and his wife, Tanya, and their kids, they're in the Chicago area visiting some of their extended family and we hope that they've had a really fun time together and we hope that they've had some relaxing time together. However, with six kids, I'm not sure if that can ever really happen. But if you're here for the first time, or maybe you actually came last week thinking, okay, we'll come back and hear Eric, sorry, you've got me, but I promise if you come back next week, Eric will be here, and you'll get to hear from him and meet him and Tanya, and we are really looking forward to them being back with us next week. But we've been in this series called The Red Sea Rules, and we've been in this over the past seven weeks. This is actually week seven of ten. It's a little bit longer of a series that we're used to, so I'm just curious. Is there anybody here who has hit all seven of these Red Sea Rules? Wow, you guys must be like the Valley Point super Christians. I mean, our pastor hasn't even made all seven of these. But in this series, we've actually been talking about one single story. One story in one chapter of one book in the Bible. And this is a fascinating story. It's a story full of rescue and deliverance. But it's also a story that's been full of frustration and fear and doubt. You see, this story, it's a story of God's chosen people, the Israelites. And how God, in His perfect timing, finally rescues them from slavery. We talked a few weeks ago about how emotional this story is because the generation that we pick up on here, their parents, their grandparents... Their grandparents, all they've ever known is slavery. They've never had a nation of their own. They've never had a home of their own. They've never had land of their own. All they've ever known is slavery. And then the Bible tells us that he chooses a man. His name's Moses. And he tells Moses, look, go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt at that time, and tell him, it's time. It's time. It's time to let my people Go. It's time for them to become a nation again. It's time for them to go to a land that I have set aside just for them. And so he does. And he goes and talks to Pharaoh. A lot of things sort of go down, but eventually Pharaoh says, Okay, fine, you can leave. Just go. And so they do. And God himself leads them into the wilderness. And God leads them to a dead end. In fact, they get to this enormous sea called the Red Sea. And they have no way to get across. So they're a little confused. And all along, 
Pharaoh kind of is rethinking all of this, and he's like, what have I done? I have just let our entire workforce go. This is crazy. We're going to get them back. And so he assembles the most powerful army of that day to go and get the Israelites. And so about that time, the Israelites camped out by the sea realize what's happening. They look behind them, and here's Pharaoh coming with a massive army to bring them back into slavery again. You see, this was a defining moment for the Israelites because how they would respond in this moment would reveal how deep their faith in God actually went. Remember, these were the chosen people of God. And they knew it. They didn't learn this later. They knew that they were God's chosen people. That he had promised to take them to a very specific land that he had set aside for them. So, let's see how they respond in this moment. In Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. Really? Panic? God's chosen people who have been promised directly by him were frozen in fear. Have you ever been disappointed in how you've reacted in a really difficult situation? You see, in this moment, the Israelites, they lost sight of God's promises. They no longer had confidence that God was with them and that he was going to deliver them. They abandoned what they knew to be true. Have you ever lost sight of God's promises in your life? I have. Have you ever abandoned something that you knew was true? Have you ever lost confidence that God was with you and was going to come through for you? I think we've all been there. Our big rule for today is this. Envision God's enveloping presence. Today, in your life, envision God's enveloping presence. Hopefully by the end of today, this is going to be a very meaningful phrase for us. Because what do you do? How do you respond when you're stuck in the middle between the sea and the sword? How do you maintain confidence that God is with you, that he loves you, that he cares about you, and that he's going to come through for you? When we pick up in our story, the Israelites are beginning to doubt that God was with them. They're beginning to doubt that God was going to come through for them. Matter of fact, they abandoned the idea altogether. They thought all was lost. Maybe today you feel like God has led you to a very specific place in life. You know He led you there, but He just seemed to go missing. Like, where'd you go, God? Or maybe today you've been looking for God to lead you someplace, any place, and it just hasn't yet happened. Maybe today. You are completely lost and confused, and you're not sure which way to go. Or maybe things are pretty good. Things are going pretty good in life, but you just don't feel the presence of God in a real way, in a way that you wish you could feel Him. Now, the Israelites, they had a serious spiritual problem. 
in these verses. And it's the same problem that we a lot of times can have because their faith in this moment, it was based on their circumstances. They saw something scary. They couldn't see a way out. And they panicked. And they froze in fear. But then, in God's divine mercy, He reminds His people of His enveloping presence. In Exodus chapter 14, we pick up in the story for today, verses 19 and 20. It says, Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. So what's exactly happening here? This is kind of weird. All of a sudden, in the middle of this story, we find out that there's an angel physically leading the people of Israel to where they're supposed to go. Not only that, there's a giant pillar of cloud. Later, the Bible tells us that this was what God put in place as His presence with the Israelites. This was to remind them constantly that His presence was with them, and yet they still lost confidence in God. Now, the Bible doesn't specifically describe how the cloud moved from in front of them to behind them. But to take a little creative liberty this morning, I like to picture it like this. That this big pillar of cloud began to expand. The entire width of the camp of the Israelites And it slowly began to move around each individual. And as it surrounded each individual, it began to surround their family. And then as it surrounded their family, it began to surround larger groups of people until every single person was surrounded by the presence of God. And then all of a sudden, each one of them slowly begins to understand what's happening. This is God repositioning himself in their lives for their protection. And they begin to feel his promises flow back into their hearts and they feel his giant arms wrapping around them saying, it's okay. It's all right. I've got you. I didn't read the GPS wrong. I didn't mess up my directions. You're right where I want you to be, and I've got you. Then as a cloud moves, they can breathe a breath of fresh air as they're reminded of God's promises that, yes, we're his people. He's with us. He's protecting us, and he's going to come through for us. You see, God reaffirms for the Israelites in that moment, a very real and tangible reminder of his presence in their lives. We don't get to benefit from an experience quite like that. But what we have is actually better than what they experienced on that day. We're going to talk about a few things that are actually better for us than what they experienced on that day. We're also going to talk about a couple of practical ways that we ourselves today can envision his enveloping presence in our lives in a way that's just as powerful as what happened to the Israelites in this moment. 
You see, the cloud performed a very unique form of protection. It said that the cloud settled between the two camps. And for the one side, for the side of the Egyptians, it cast nothing but shadows and darkness. And for the side of the Israelites, it shone a great light so that they did not have any reason to fear any longer. It says that the camps could not even come near each other all night. See, this was a miracle that God performed for the Israelites. And he did it in this way so that there was no mistaking that this could only have been God. And he was fighting for his people. So the first thing that we need to do today, a practical way to begin to envision his presence in our lives is to affirm his nearness in our heart. Today, affirm his nearness in your heart. You know, a lot of times it can feel as though God isn't very near, can't it? He can feel distant, uninterested, or even absent at times in our lives. Like, God, we know you're there. I believe in you, I trust you, but I just can't feel your presence in my life. No, it's in these moments that we can fall into really dark and lonely places. We can become isolated and depressed. We can begin to lose sight of his promises. See, we see a prayer from David in the book of Psalm. It's a very unique prayer. It's a very desperate prayer. And David was in a very Red Sea moment in his life. And this is what he prayed to God. He said, O Lord... How long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul and sorrow in my heart every day? This is a pretty desperate prayer. This is a prayer that I don't want to have to pray, but the reality is that this is what life feels like sometimes. It feels like the enemy is winning. Sometimes it feels like he's already won. Like the financial burdens of life are just far too great. Like the emotional pain of life is just far too much to bear. It can seem like that illness or that disease in someone who you love so dearly. It's just too powerful to find healing. It can feel like all is lost and that God is nowhere to be found. But just three verses later, we see how David responds in this moment in his life. He says in verse 5, But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. You see, David was affirming God's nearness in his heart. He had the proper foundation in his faith. If his foundation was a circumstance, he would have panicked. He would have frozen fear, he would have isolated himself, and would have lost complete confidence in God. But he says, all seems lost, all seems hopeless, but I will choose to trust in your unfailing love. He was claiming God's promises in his heart. The reality is, a lot of times, that's all we have. That's all we have to hold on to are God's promises because there's nothing else there. 
Sometimes all we can do is remember how God has come through for us in the past and hold tightly that he's going to do it again. See, it's vital that our faith is founded in his promises. So how do we do that? How do we reaffirm his promises? How do we claim God's promises? You do that by reading scripture, memorizing it, and claiming it. We have verses, verse after verse, like what's found in Philippians chapter 4. It says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Like in Isaiah chapter 4, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Hebrews 13 says, for God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Remember the life verse that Eric challenged us at the beginning of the year to find? A a verse that you could claim as God's promise all year long. This was mine in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, Joshua, one of the all-time greatest heroes and leaders ever, had to affirm God's nearness in his heart. Because we all get to that place at some point. These are the promises that God has given us. Moses, the Israelites, they didn't even benefit from the completed Bible. They didn't have half of these verses to go on. We have verse after verse after verse of God's promises that he's there with us, that he cares about us, that he loves us, and that he will come through for us. Read his word often. Find some verses to claim. And if you put your faith in Jesus alone to save you, and you make him the leader of your life, then you can take every one of these promises as a direct promise from God to your heart. This will affirm his nearness in your life. Proper foundation for our faith. If it's on circumstances, it's not going to work. We're going to panic. We're going to lose sight, and we're going to abandon our faith in God. The next thing that we can do is to visualize God's presence in our minds. So today, visualize God's presence in your mind. Now, this can become a little bit mysterious and weird at first. It's not natural. It's hard to put your belief in something that you can't see and feel and touch, at least not tangibly. But the longer you follow him, the more you read his word, the more you talk to him, the more you make him real in your life, the more natural this becomes. And the easier it becomes to put your faith in him alone. So there is some mystery here. We're not going to understand everything about God. So if you're waiting to understand him, to embrace him, then it's never going to happen. Here's a reassuring verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. It says, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. You hear the cliche all of the time, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Well, there's truth in that because he does. And that's a good thing that we have a God that's hard to understand. Do you really want to put your faith and your belief in a God 
who does not have the ability to work outside of your understanding? Let me say that again. Do you really want to believe in a God who doesn't have the ability to work outside of what you can understand? I don't. That's a pretty small God. If I can understand everything about Him, and I can understand every decision He makes and everything He allows to happen, that's a pretty small God. So make Him real in your life. And embrace it. Embrace the mystery. Embrace the things you can't understand. Dwight Moody was asked at one time, how are you able to maintain such an intimate relationship with God? This was his reply. There isn't any problem in my life. There isn't any uncertainty in my work. But I turn and speak to him as naturally as to someone who is in the same room. I've done this for years because I can trust Jesus. Think this was always natural for him? No. But the more he follows God, the more he talked to God and read his word, claimed his promises, the more natural this becomes. And the easier it becomes to feel his presence in our lives. The other thing that making God real in your life can do is it can actually curve our sinful tendencies. I mean, when you think about it, when's the easiest time to sin? It's when you're alone, right? Or when there's no one around that you really care about. And it's in these moments that when we make God real and understand that He is with us, it makes it a little more difficult to do the wrong things, doesn't it? We tell our kids all the time, when I'm not around, you still have to do right because who's watching? Jesus is still watching. What if we as adults begin to live life with the reality that Jesus is watching, that God is with us, and that he's very real. It might be a little more difficult to do the wrong things in life. So affirm his nearness in your heart. Read his word. Claim his promises. And then visualize God's presence in your mind and make him real. Give him a face if you need to. Speak to him as naturally as a friend who is in the same room. And number three, Access God's nearness through prayer. See, prayer is the environment in which we most solidly connect with God on an intimate basis. Take advantage of His nearness. Take advantage of the fact that you can speak directly to your Creator and your God. Talk about a benefit that Moses and the Israelites never had in their time. If you have put your faith in Jesus alone to save you, if you've made Him the leader of your life, then the Bible tells us that you now have the authority to speak directly through His Son Jesus to your Creator and Savior and God. Wow. How awesome is that? We can ask Him directly for guidance. We can ask Him directly for direction and healing. We can ask Him directly for blessings. There's a verse found in Deuteronomy that says, For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on Him. See, prayer, it's our greatest weapon of fighting doubt and worry, anxiety, anger, depression, addiction, and fear. It's our greatest weapon, and none of us use it as much as we could, or as effectively as we could. 
When you get near to God through prayer, you're reminded of His presence. You can feel His arms wrap around you and He will whisper in your heart and give you the power to get through any Red Sea moment in your life. Prayer is the environment in which we most solidly connect with God on an intimate basis. And then lastly, reflect His presence in your demeanor. The Bible says that from the heart, the mouth speaks. It also says that our actions are a direct reflection of what's in our heart. And as we do these things, as we read His Word and pray to Him and make Him real, this will naturally begin to happen. You see, when God invades our lives, our demeanor changes. There's a verse found in 1 John chapter 2. It says, But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as He has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. You see, if you've put your faith in Jesus alone to save you, if you've made Him the leader of your life, and the Bible tells us that God's presence isn't just all around us, His presence actually is within us. Talk about a benefit that Moses and the Israelites, they never got to experience that. We can call on Him and His Spirit speaks truth to us and it gives us power beyond what we could do on our own to make it through any situation in our lives. And when God's Spirit invades our lives, we begin to change. The way we speak to others will change. Our attitudes will change. Our perspectives, our motives, our priorities, they all begin to change. All of a sudden, we find the strength to make it through situations that we could never do on our own without Him. See, the Bible says that the cloud, the pillar of cloud, followed the Israelites all the way until they entered into God's promised land for them. And then it disappeared. But not really. Because even though they couldn't see it, they couldn't feel it, they couldn't experience it like they did on that day by the Red Sea, His presence was just as real around them as it was on that day. And His presence is just as real to us today as it was on that day so long ago. So when His presence doesn't seem apparent in your life, when He seems far away, we have to maintain confidence that He's with us, that He cares about us, that He loves us, and that He's going to come through for us. Claim His promises. Make Him real in your life. Talk to Him as freely as you would a friend in the same room. And embrace His enveloping presence in your life like you never have before. Our takeaway is this. It's the same as the big rule. Envision God's enveloping presence. Today, in your life, envision God's enveloping presence. Because that presence that they felt on that day is just as available to us today as it's ever been. And when you embrace Him as your Savior, you trust in Jesus alone and make Him the leader of your life, you'll begin to feel God's massive arms and 
envelop you and surround you. You'll hear his whispers in your heart saying, I'm right here. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't get this wrong. I know exactly where you are, and I love you. I know exactly what you've done, and I care about you. And I will never abandon you. I'd like to give us a moment to put this into practice today. To let yourself envision his enveloping presence in your life. We've said throughout this series that you're either in a Red Sea moment, you're coming out of one, or you're getting ready to go into one. Maybe today you're in a Red Sea moment. It seems dark. It seems lonely. It feels like God is nowhere to be found. Take a moment. Talk to him. Try to imagine what it was like on that day when the Israelites experienced his enveloping presence. Let him whisper into your heart this morning. Maybe today you're coming out of a Red Sea moment and there's some scars. There's some pain left over. Talk to God about that. Ask him for healing. Maybe you need to thank him for his deliverance through that moment in your life. And then maybe today you feel okay. It's not that bad. Things are pretty good. But take a moment and ask God to make himself real in your life like you never have felt his presence before. And make sure that your faith, it's founded in the right things and his promises. And make sure you're ready for the next Red Sea moment in your life. You see, life is full of these defining moments. How are you going to respond today in your defining moment? Let's take just a few moments under some soft music and take some time to pray and talk to God this morning. And then I'll come back up and wrap us up with some prayer.
Thank you, God, for your presence in our lives. Thank you that you are a God that's near, that you are a God who hears, and that you care about us. And I pray specifically today for those who have never embraced you as their Savior. They've never made you the leader of their lives. God, I pray that they would do that this morning. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to invite you. I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. In this moment, on this day, in your defining moment. If you'd like to do that, just pray a prayer like this quietly in your own heart and say, God, I've been going through Red Sea moment after Red Sea moment on my own in life. And I realize now that I cannot do that any longer. That I want to put my trust in you alone to save me. I want to invite you into my life to invade my life and to change me forever. I don't understand everything that goes along with that, but all I know is I love you and I trust in you to save me now. Then God, I pray for those in this room who are in the middle of a Red Sea moment. I pray that your hand of protection would wrap around them in a way like they have never felt before. That they would trust in you and your promises because a lot of times, that's all we have. I pray that you would deliver them. God, for those who are coming out of a Red Sea moment in their lives, that you would bring healing and continue to wrap your arms around them in a way like they have never felt before. God, I pray for those who are doing well right now. And I thank you for that. God, envelop us with your presence today. Help us feel you in a way like we have never felt before. And in your name I pray, amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.